Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 176 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. This week's episode features a photographer living in Portland, Oregon, Jared Armijo. Jared possesses a rare condition known as chromasthesia. Uh, it took me about 40 times to pronounce that correctly, uh, which he uses to augment his landscape photography experiences and processes to create images that are unique to him. Jared also has found photography to be a great tool to process and manage depression and life events. Jared and I discussed some really fun topics this week, including how he got his start in landscape photography, his use of photography as a tool to manage his depression, chromasthesia, and how it changes the way he sees the landscape as, the, as a photographer, photographic celibacy, and more. All right, well, let's get to the show. Jared Armijo, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey there. How are you, Matt? I'm burning up. It is like a billion, billion degrees. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> it's terrible today. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't, yeah, well, it doesn't help. I, I, I just uh, worked out, too. So, like, Gross. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's not the best. COVID-19, <laughs> man. Put all the weight on. It's fine. <laughs> no one cares. Oh, man. I started. I started to like in March, and then I was like, "Oh, I should probably start working out." No, I, I'm the same. I actually started running because <laughs> I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> right. I look like, you, look in the, you look in the mirror, and you're like, "Oh, it's not the COVID nineteen. <laughs> it's the COVID 40 <laughs> Seriously, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started getting scared when I was at work at the hospital and. I was putting gloves on. I couldn't fit into mediums anymore. And I was like, oh, my God, my hands are fat. <laughs> yeah, that's um, usually it's like when your clothes don't start, don't fit right. That's like, I should probably do something about this. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, for, for people that uh, don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh, I live in Portland right now, Portland, Oregon. Um I started doing uh, photography in high school. I primarily did film photography, um, black and white. Never did color um, just because it was too pricey. And at that time, <laughs> I had free black and white film, like endless supply. <laughs> so <Nice. laughs> I could just burn through all the silver paper I wanted and <laughs> be as wasteful as I wanted. Uh, started doing landscape photography about five years ago. Honestly, I started with like portrait photography yeah. before. Um, a lot of like um, some like fine art, nudity, um, as well as um, some. God, I used a lot of different lights. It was just um, studio lighting, lots of studio lighting. Sorry, for some reason I can't remember the damn word. Dude, <laughs> the struggle dude. is real. <laughs> it is. Trust me, I get it. <laughs> that happens to me all the time, and. Fortunately, we have this beautiful thing called editing, so right. um, so we can we can sound as stupid as we want, and I'll fix it later. Okay, good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sound pretty stupid normally. <laughs> well, so that's the end of the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> this was fun. <laughs> I had a great time with Matt. Pain. <laughs> Pain in my uh, ass. <laughs> that's well, so so you got your start in black and white and doing fine art nudes and major transition to uh, to landscapes. What what drew you drew you into landscapes? When I first started and filmed and everything, and I was based in Florida for a while. Um, I hated that place. Not gonna lie. And uh, there's nothing to really shoot um, outside of, like, for landscape that was kind of nearby. I mean, I had the ocean or whatever. I mean, and some swamp stuff. But, you know, I don't really like anacondas and gators. And <laughs> I don't want to catch malaria from mosquitoes. Not my sort of thing. That's fair. So uh, eventually when we moved out here, I finally had a place that had, like, endless amounts of landscape photography or, you know, landscape spots. Right. So, so it was more just a pro- a product of where you were living. Product of where I was living, and you know, I was just trying to get out of my funk. I had some really major depression in Florida that almost took me out, and that's why we moved. I moved across the freaking country to get away <laughs> as far as way as possible from Florida, <laughs> and um, I started using landscape photography as a coping mechanism um, to help through my thoughts of depression and fix certain things I did and you know will not do in the future <laughs> through landscape photography and um, hiking and whatnot. Hmm. So, so for you, uh, landscape photography was a way to begin a healing process. Yeah, it actually was a giant healing process, and it still is for me today. Um, granted, it's not as much just because I did a lot of my healing and repairing years ago. Now the focus currently for my work is more of like life events and trying to represent these life events that are happening to me right now or certain emotions rather than fixing my mental health state you know it still does help my mental state right now you know but not that's not the total reason why i shoot so i'm super curious was the was it something that you were consciously aware of in terms of like I am going to go out and take pictures and it's going to help me with my depression? Or was it something that you kind of discovered that, you know, through the process of engaging in landscape photography, that it was helping with your depression? So after um, a year living here in Portland, I realized that I had a lot of issues still going on in my head. And I was just kind of confused on what to really do with myself to fix these issues. And I was like, wait, why did I move here again? Oh, yeah, like I wanted to move to an area that's full of awesome landscapes, you know. And I, for that first year of living here, I didn't shoot, really. I did portrait stuff here and there, you know, my artsy, mm-hmm. weird portrait stuff, but nothing with landscape. And then finally, I just said, screw it. I was tired of feeling bad. I'm going to just try it. And so I just went to like uh, Pacific City, you know, Cape Kiwanda area. It's my first. Yeah, I love that. I love, love that, that place. Spot. It's my yeah. first sunset I had in Oregon was there, and I freaking love that place. Fell in love with Oregon because of that area. And so went there, and I just started hiking around, and I noticed like I was starting to connect emotionally to the landscape, and it made me feel better. And I didn't really put 
together why it made me feel better, you know, but I just kept repeating this process over and over weekly. Like I made it an actual rule that I had to go out at least twice a week um, shooting something, anything, whatever. Um, for a year, I did that actually. Wow. Yeah. And I did that just to get better mentally. Um, mm-hmm. So I was pretty strict about it. Like, <laughs> you know, I'd blow off people and everything just to uh, make sure that I was taken care of. That way I can take care of other people as well. You know, yeah, I love on. that. I love, I love that you gave, gave yourself permission to take care of yourself. Well, you're the only one that will, right? Like no one's going to say, Hey Matt, you need to take care of yourself. But if they do, it's kind of like, you're like, yeah, I know I do. I don't know. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you know, like everyone says that, whatever. <laughs> but right. it's really ultimately up to you to make that conscious decision to take care of yourself and be aware that you are screwed up or that you do need to fix yourself and you do need to make conscious efforts to correct yourself or figure out why you feel so bad. And not everything is linked to, you know, something for feeling bad some like i have depression i just get depression sometimes there's no sure. reason whatever but i actually had reasons at the time and i needed to work through those mm-hmm. so that took me about like a year year and a half of my landscape mm-hmm. career to finally be like okay mentally and that's when i started to grow as an artist i think mm. it was after i did, did all that healing <laughs> no that's awesome did you were you doing any writing or journaling and through that process to kind of like be able to pinpoint the things that were helping or not helping? Totally. Um, I always, well, since my phone's always on me, you know, I don't carry like an actual notebook. Um, I always write down ideas, thoughts, um, things that happen to me throughout the day or mm-hmm. just little small events period. And I kind of, go back on them and I just look at them like, wow, how can I turn this into something positive rather than leave it as a negative thing? So, you know, like it can be a totally negative situation that I had that day. It's like, how do I transform that to something positive and beautiful? Hmm. And that's when landscape came in, you know, and I was like, cool, I can, you know, create something out of this, create a photograph and hopefully be better at the end. So I'm always fascinated with this, um, you know, this connection between art and mental health. And I'm, I know it exists for a lot of people. I'm, I'm also curious for you, have you found, um, have you found that different mental states uh, yields yes. better or different interesting <laughs> photographs? <laughs> Oh no, for me, for sure. A hundred percent. My photos are super altered by my emotion. Interesting. <laughs> and I noticed it the other day. So I, I recently went out to Eastern Oregon to explore with a friend to photo. And I was just in a really crappy mood beforehand. I mean, with COVID going on, I work in the front lines in the medical field my anxiety has been out the you know wazoo dealing with all Absolutely. this crap and it's been eating at me right and so like my first day of shooting like 
and I edited these shots, right? <laughs> and I compared them. My first day of shooting was so dark for me anyway, because I usually, all my images were pretty bright. Mm-hmm. Um, they were colorful and bright, but that first day, they're kind of colorless. I mean, there's color, but they're darker colors, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh. And then the second day when I was more happy, because I was just happy that I was out. <laughs> and I was like, good, I'm away from everybody. I can just do my thing. I'm having a good time with great people. <laughs> you know, oh, it's just me and my friend and partner. <laughs> but, um, oh, my God, my photos are so much more cheery, positive, bright, colorful, balanced. It's do you, crazy. Do you, find, do you find that you have a preference? For, yeah, I mean, like for what exactly? For, so if you, if you notice that when you're not in a good mood, your photos are darker and when you're in a better mood, your photos are brighter. When you look back at those images, do you find yourself artistically more drawn to one or one or the other, or do you find both of them appealing for different reasons? Both are appealing for different reasons because, you know, for me, not all art is a positive, happy thing. It's like, you know, there's dark moments in life, and those dark moments deserve to be recognized. And Absolutely. They need to be shown as well. Granted, people might not like them as much because, you know, it's a negative thing, right? <laughs> and people generally don't care for more negative um, photographs or reasonings behind it piece of art they're more drawn to something positive but that's just not life life is not always positive Mm -hmm. and i like to show both sides of the spectrum in my work yeah i i I love that i just the other day actually it was yesterday one of my facebook friends posted a really powerful photograph of his um it was his daughter or son I I couldn't remember, but a young child, like maybe two years old, one years old, touching the nose of their dog who just passed away like that day or something. But it was such a powerful photograph. You you didn't even need to read the story. You just knew that like, you knew that it was like this child was kind of saying goodbye to to their friend, you know? And I think um, it's sad. Yes, but it's also beautiful and powerful. So I don't think I don't think uh, negative emotion is bad emotion, you know. No, I agree with you. Uh, recently, I just took a photograph, kind of like representing my grandparents. Uh, when my grandpa just passed away this uh, like a week ago, hmm. and so it's kind of like the end of like an era, right? And my family, like, we're not going to go back over to that town anymore, you know? Like, it's all those memories right. are gone in that house like it's a done deal so right i was watching the sunset the other day and i was just like holy crap this is an awesome sunset so i went and grabbed my camera and i'm just shooting from like my um balcony sure <laughs> and i was watching and then i saw the like these two love birds i call them love birds i don't know but there are these two birds that are flying through these massive clouds and like i just posted this picture on my instagram if anyone's curious and I was just like, wow, this is such a beautiful sight. Like, what a good way to end, you know, this era is with this image. These two birds flying through these massive clouds with the moon above it. Like, 
I don't know. And it was so pink and purple and it was really beautiful. Good gradient. (laughs) 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 So I'm really, I'm really conscious about my colors. So I was just like, wow, this hits every, everything for me. I'm stoked. (laughs) And then I was just like, holy crap, that represents like my grandparents leaving this world. Right. Like that era is done, but it was a beautiful time with them. And yeah, I don't know. That's awesome. It's a negative emotion turned positive. Right. Yeah. So if you, so it sounds like you've uh, photography for you has been a way for you to have a, an outlet to express your emotional states and then also to, to help you process those states. Yes. I'm totally about, I'm, I'm kind of selfish with my photography in that sense. It's really for me. Of course, I want to share with everyone to let them know sure. like they're not alone in dealing with life or certain aspects of life. But at the end of the day, it is for me and it is for me to get better and stay okay and to deal with terrible situations or positive ones for that matter and just represent them in different ways Mm -hmm. how do you feel that photography can help other people you know it's awesome like we're able to share images now you know in social media everything and i don't know like we're able to shared to thousands of people easily, right? And it can be a negative or positive thing. And we've seen both sides of that coin, right? With, with media using it negatively or... <laughs> but sure. um, it can also be positive. And I think just showing those people like a beautiful image and showing a small detail about the image, like a caption, just saying like, I just lost my grandparents, but this image, you know, made me think of them. It just goes to show like, oh, wow, uh, you know, I just lost someone. And you know what? Uh, Dang, that's kind of a nice break from life. Even if it's for five seconds looking at a picture, you know, it's all good. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it's um, it's hard. It's hard for some people, including myself, to uh, to always connect the photograph, my my photographs with something that's happened in my life. I. I don't necessarily think I have any, maybe very small handful, if any, photos that naturally make a connection in that way. So whenever people talk about it, I'm always super curious about how that works for them. So I thanks for 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 sharing that that with us. Oh, totally. It's um, I didn't really start connecting, you know, the dots in that way until like two years ago, honestly. Um, for some reason, um, I went to, well, I was visiting family in New Mexico. I'm originally from New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went to White Sands and, you know, I was hiking out there for miles on the dunes with my, um, cousin and I was just kind of lost out there, (laughs) you know, like at that time and that moment, I felt really introverted and I felt like the world was just too much. And I felt like the world is shutting me down, right? And so I was like, okay, well, there's there's that there's that event, there's that life event, right? There's the idea. How do I represent that idea in this landscape? And honestly, I was kind of lost because <laughs> it's just miles and miles of white sand. <laughs> and I was like, huh, how do I show something getting squashed here right or like Mm, feeling enclosed mm -hmm. or kind of like this drowning feeling 
Um, and then I found a cloud because I was hiking around, running around on these dunes, which is hella hard, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, I just took down some on my butt. I'm not going to lie. I was like, screw this. <laughs> I'm I was going to do this. There's a, there's a reason why NFL players train on sandy beaches because it is not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> Props to them. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I don't know if like a lot of them do. I just I remember watching a video of uh, Ray Lewis training on a sandy beach, like doing doing like cone drills on the sandy beach, and I was like, dude, that looks impossible. <laughs> Holy hell! Yeah, no, I can't do that. So I just slid on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> I took the lazy boy route. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So I was sliding down this dune. <laughs> and then I found a cloud that lined up extremely well, like with these two dunes. One was backlit and one was just lit. So it created like this tight composition framing this cloud. And I framed it so that the sand was more like more in the uh, foreground and there's less sky, but it kind of felt like you're wanting more sky right you're wanting more air because <laughs> it was just like so much sand so much blue and i was like oh my god this is it this is how this is me feeling like i'm becoming more introverted <laughs> as life goes on i'm feeling squished this is it so I, yeah, I i i um i know the photo you're talking about because i spent some time looking at your 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 website and uh, i was curious what the story was behind that so that's really cool to hear that it was your attempt of kind of representing a moment. It was. And that was like my first like connection to a piece of art for me or a piece of or a photo, like a true emotional connection where I was like, oh, wow, this idea actually does work. Like it is represented here. Oh, I get it now. And, you know, before that trip, I was only using a wide angle lens. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, I have to use a wide angle. I have to get a you know, a foreground that, you know, like a flower or something, a plant, a rock that goes into the background, leads to the background. It's very formulaic. And I was like, but that was what I was doing, right? But whites, that trip to white sands forced me to not use a wide angle lens. Like, it's not good there. <laughs> I mean, it's okay, but like closer in, you know, photos do better. And that's when I was right. like, oh my God, it forced me out of my shell in that sense of using my telephoto lens. Which I So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how changing your focal length can have a, such an impact on not only like how a scene is represented, but also how it makes you feel. It's kind of crazy. Um, you know, I, my wide angle lens has been in my closet for like two years now. I don't even, I, I, I mean, you can send it to me if you want. <laughs> I thought about selling it. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, well, I'm not using it. Like it's just sitting in the closet. <laughs> and honestly, I forgot where it was for like a good six months. I was like, crap, maybe it rolled out somewhere and I just don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> No, it's just in my closet. But yeah, I now I just use like 70 to like 500 millimeter for like every shot I've been doing for the past two years. That's cool. Yeah, no, I love I love that focal length. I mean, that's a pretty broad range, but I mean, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I, I really like shooting between 100 and 400. I think there's a lot of interesting compositions you can do with that totally. focal range. Yeah. 
And um, like I just tried the Tamron before, uh, you know, earlier this year, the 100 to 400, but I wasn't satisfied with it at all. It was just so um, not sharp. And I was not, uh, I'm not used to that. <laughs> so I actually had to send it back and I finally upgraded to the Nikon. I think it's like the 200 to 500 or 100 to 500, one of the two. Yeah, two to five, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so ignorant about camera gear. <laughs> but it's the 200 to 500. And, oh, my God, that thing is my I, – I freaking love it so much. I'm so happy. Yeah, that's it. cool. Well, awesome, man. So I was curious, uh, like, what were some of the inspirations or what are some of the inspirations to, to your work? Because I know that it sounds like you're very – hyper aware of your emotional states and kind of what's going on in your life. And then that translates into the images that you make, but I'm sure that there are other influences on your photography that, uh, that perhaps you would like to talk about. Oh yeah, totally. <clears throat> so, well, a couple of years ago, um, I was wondering like, how do I grow as an artist? Like I felt stuck. This was like two, two and a half years ago or so. And I kind of went back to my roots of like, which artists I absolutely love that are not photographers. And, you know, I was like, well, how do I get better at color, for instance? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, let me study Andy Warhol again. And so I go back, open up some books and pictures, art of Andy Warhol. And I'm like, wow, he is the true master of color. Like I'm looking at his stuff. I'm like, he evokes so much emotion with color. How do I get that into my work? You know, like how do, like, what is he doing? I don't understand. So like I kept studying his work more and more and more. And then I finally got what he was doing with color. And it's pretty freaking amazing. Like for instance, he did a series called the Death and Disaster series. Um, and it's basically, he took a photograph of like uh, car accidents, for instance, or like someone just dying sort of thing. And he repeated it 14, nine to 14 times, right? And the whole point was, he's like, look, if you stare at this enough, you're gonna be desensitized. And that is what media is doing to people right now. And he threw a color on it, right? At the end of repeating these um, images, right? Uh -huh. to make it seem less severe. And that's when it hit me. I was like, oh my God, he used these colors to make this awful thing that just happened on this image seem okay. And I was like, huh, I need to study that. And that's what I did. I did study that. And I finally, I'm able to like translate color pretty decently well in my work. Um, other artists do, you, do. Oh, go ahead. Oh, do you have an example um, of your work that you've tried to do that? So, like, I can, yeah. I mean, if my recent, uh, let's see, I just posted on my website um, under the Northwest tab. Let's see, it's the it's a moon and clouds, and it's representing my grandparents, right? And yeah, they both died and the it was the end of an era but the colors are so striking they're um soft color they're purple they're pinks they're yellows and that creates the mood of the image it's like 
oh, they are dead. But you know what? They're flying off into something beautiful. Hmm. And it was the color that made it feel so I'm at peace at it with this event in my life. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. So, so is that something that you're consciously aware of in the field or is it something yeah. that you're, it is. Oh yeah. Interesting. Totally. Huh. So like when I pick stuff to go shoot and photograph, I'm very, very picky. Like my friends make fun of me. <laughs> Because I'm really picky. <laughs> and they're like, if it's not 70 degrees, if it's not partly cloudy, it's <laughs> not going to go out with us. So don't bother asking them. <laughs> and you know what? They're damn right. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but I am picky because I know what I want. So like I write down these events that happened to me, like I said earlier. And I'm like, and I research landscapes that could potentially lead to that idea being um uh coming to uh, a 2d experience right but it's also studying the light there right and the color there and so like i use google earth out the wazoo like <laughs> i probably know every spot in oregon <laughs> i'm a little ridiculous with it i definitely go into the field knowing what i want and i'm very picky about what i shoot and it's picky because you know i have a set of ideas i want accomplished mm-hmm. and it's not but is it is it based around a certain color profile or a certain color palette that you want to use to represent a certain emotion totally or... okay so um what helps me with that is my chromesthesia um i have chromesthesia which is um you know yeah, i was gonna say you need to describe that <laughs> <laughs> well okay so <laughs> i didn't realize i had this until like 2013 so lord um the artist lord she came out with her album right her first album and i sat down i listened to it or i bought it and then the first song I actually listened to on her album was called Ribs. And I laid in bed, I listened to it, whatever. And my head just like freaking exploded with color. It's weird because it's not like a physical, uh, like I'm not physically seeing color, but I'm also seeing color. <laughs> it's like a third eye. Um, so like, for instance, Lord, Ribs for me, that song um, specifically shows me gradients so gradients whether it be like purples to whites to a dark blue to a lighter blue to white or um you know like a magenta to like um a mauve color so like they're very specific colors but i don't have control over like what triggers these um colors either or like not every song that artist does triggers it so uh most of her songs do though however and they her she i see gradients when i listen to her so when i knowing that you know like i kind of like visualize like okay i can see if i can find these colors out in the field i don't know how i can i'm gonna try right (laughs) sometimes it's just like a simple sunset or some like the rocks and how they're like um um lined up with different shades of color you know or how the light hits like dried dried out mud or something of the sort um 
but I try to find these colors out in the field. Um, like other bands that kind of trigger that chromesthesia for me is like Purity Ring, uh, Grimes, Florence Welch, Florence of the Machine, um, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Lana Del Rey. Um, Anya, huh. you know, Enya. That was my most yeah, recent yeah, yeah. discovery. Fly away, fly yeah. away. So, so I just listened to that song recently after like years of not hearing it, right? And I was just like, holy crap like she's making me see color what the hell like that was so random i think i was first introduced to this idea in graduate school because so i i uh i got my my master's degree in clinical psychology and one of the other people that was in my class was super into the experimental side of psychology and he he decided to figure out if taking LSD would trigger chromesthesia. So it does, apparently. I haven't done it. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know, but it can. Is um, from what Apparently, because he was telling me about it, and I was like, wow. <laughs> and I mean, I've had friends who have done it, you know? And yeah, no, they've totally had it. But they say that they can only have that chromesthesia feeling if they're on it. Rather uh-huh. than like me, I'm just like sitting around. Then freaking Enya comes on, and I'm like, "What the hell?" <laughs> like <laughs> you're like, "I'm not high. This is yeah, crazy. This is weird." <laughs> <laughs> like who put an edible in my lunch? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why Aunt Enya kind of like weirded me out a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. She's it's awesome. Right. You know, awesome songs. Whatever. No, <laughs> no shade towards the artist herself. It just caught me off guard because <laughs> she's not the typical like band i listen to right and sure. so that's why i was just like huh strange <laughs> so so when you're when you're out in the field uh making photographs are you listening to music and or trying to channel the chromesthesia like how does that translate into your photography so what I do, if I'm by myself anyway, not with friends, <laughs> <laughs> I run around naked listening to music and then I go shoot. No, I'm kidding. Right? Where? where uh... <laughs> no, I honestly, though, I usually listen to music before I go shoot. Um, and I do have like a playlist of just like repeat songs that trigger my chromesthesia. Huh. And. I get familiar with the colors and I'm like, well, I'm not really feeling, you know, grimes today. Uh, I'm feeling purity ring because their colors are gradients and they're really bright and I'm feeling bright today. And I use that, you know, I try to get it out in the field. Granted, of course, you know, I do Photoshop as well. Like there's no secret about that. Um, If I can't, get the exact thing I want in, out in the field, of course I'm going to Photoshop to get my final piece because I want it to represent that feeling I had or that event, that life event perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just what I do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So uh, that's that's cool. So I'm just curious. I know your website doesn't really talk talk much about you know, how different images are created or what they were inspired by. I think that would be a really interesting way to talk about your photography in terms of the it's cause it's cause to me like that, that 
that is artistic expression, right? Like it's, yeah, it's doing more than just, um, than creating a derivative of what you experience. Like to me, like adding that extra layer, it then becomes more artistic. Now, obviously you can create art that is derivative of an experience, but it's a lot harder to do. But I think through chromesthesia and through your experiences of trying to use photography as a mechanism to process and or recover from your depression and whatnot, I think that gives it like an extra layer of interest. Huh. I didn't even think about it that way, to be honest. With I you. mean, for me, anyway. I mean, and I mean that's cool. A- like, this is why it's great to talk to other people that you don't know about your work, right? I mean, when I think about my own work, I don't, I can't say like, oh, this was, this photograph represents my attempt at grieving this event. Like, no, it's just like, I thought it was a cool scene and I thought it looked cool. So I took a picture <laughs> of it. still good though, you know, like that's still awesome because you do great work. I looked at your work and I love your Southwest images. I might be biased because I freaking love the Southwest and I'm from there, but they're awesome images of the Southwest. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, but it, I guess what I'm trying to say though is like layering in that extra two or three, those two or three extra variables, I think helps to, it just helps to separate you differently as an artist, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Totally. Now I, I see what you're saying. And, and yeah. you know, I didn't really think much about that until you just brought that up, but <laughs> you're damn right. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Well, you know, I just is whenever you get a chance, you know, you can send a check to me. It's it's fine, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give you royalties, one percent to Matt Payne. <laughs> right, royalties because I just made you feel better about your photography. Which... Yeah, I'm like, huh? <laughs> Light bulb moment. <laughs> no, it's. I just I don't know. I think it's really interesting when people are able to layer in different uh, aspects of their of life experience into their photography because I think for for a lot of landscape photographers we we get into landscape photography because oh it's pretty and we like taking pictures and and then it it slowly evolves over time and I think for a lot of people including myself there there, be, there comes a time where you're like hmm I want my photography to be more than that and then it's like, but I don't know how, <laughs> you know? And I think for someone like you, where it's like, that's already built in in some ways, I think that's really cool. So I think it, I think if people listen to you talk about your work and look at your work, they might get some ideas on how they might be able to do that for themselves. Huh. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, um, like I said, it took me a while to kind of get that a ability to connect that emotion my emotion properly to like properly represent an actual event or emotion it took me right. like years and again it just kind of clicked <laughs> when i was you know out in the middle of nowhere white sands in new mexico <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out how to get back to my car without gps <laughs> and i don't know it, it might you know it could totally hit you and you could probably still do that yeah, I think, you know, it's, um, I think it's interesting. I've had lots and lots of conversations with different people on the podcast and, 
And what I've come to recognize is that the people that are able to uh, connect their photography to a deeper cause, even if it's a deeper cause for themselves, I think it yields more interesting photography. You know, I actually agree with you. Like I'm like now when I look at work, you know, just social media or just whatever, Reddit, whatever I'm on, um, I kind of go through and I'm just like, if I see just a very, um, very traditional landscape. I'm just kind of not like, I'm just not excited by, about it. No, really. It doesn't do anything for And you. I'm just kind of like, huh, that just doesn't do it for me. Like, I don't know. And it's not, I don't look down on people by any means or anything of that sort. I'm just like, wow, it's not tickling my fancy. I don't know why. <laughs> like it used to, that's the thing. I used to, like right. when I first started doing landscape, I was like, Oh my God, I got to go to like Multnomah falls. I got to go to Cape Kwanda. I got to get these shots. Ah, <laughs> right. And then I finally just reached a point where I was just like, I'm ready to evolve. I just need to figure out how, and mm-hmm. again, that trip out to my home state, New Mexico, kind of uh, forced me out of my shell. And then I really just kind of took off from there. I think artistically, at least for myself, not saying like my work might be, I don't know, like pretty or anything that compared to my old work, but I just think there's so many more layers and metaphors built into my work currently than there was before. Well, I mean, not to use like a cliche word, but for me, it's it's what separates work that's, you know, looks good versus work that's interesting, right? And I tend to go, like, I tend to look more at interesting work than I would say like an epic sunset, at, you know, and like Iceland or some crap. Like, and that's not bad, by the way, like cool like those are awesome totally. scenery you know it's like awesome photos awesome landscape but my eye my heart goes down to the like i look at the unique stuff a lot more yeah no me too at least now i'm i would but say it's gonna be the opposite you know i totally absolutely like, oh i would look God. at the other yeah yeah I'd be, I, I would look at the other stuff and i'd be like yeah i was like that's boring that's weird yeah that's weird gross yeah 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 i know it's no, but it's funny because like the I feel like it's one of those things where the more, you know, decent landscape photographs you make, you come to appreciate decent landscape photos less. You know, it's like you look at them and you're like Yeah. <laughs> you know, you look at them and you're like, Yeah, it's fine, it's, it's like right. whatever. <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't really do anything for me. But then it I don't know, it's it's interesting because um, but then I wonder, though, like, are we just becoming, like, I don't know, <laughs> jaded because of, like, social media exposure? Like, since we see this that, that scene so many times, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like what Andy Warhol just did, like what I explained earlier about the tragic accident, right? You see the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Eventually, you just kind of stop caring. Or not liking it as much. And he just did the same thing with his old artwork. And I was kind of thinking about that the other, like, week. And I was just like, huh, I wonder why. I think that's why I feel so desensitized to, like, a majority of landscape work right now. It's just because I'm like, I feel like I've seen it. Or there's just not that unique 
unique catch for me that's not you know tickling my fancy <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie when i i i i know it's not good in terms of engagement but i i tend to not look hardly at all at my feed on instagram uh, i don't blame just you. because I'm the same just, just for that reason like i don't like that feeling of desensitization like after scrolling through your feed for three or four or five minutes and then you're just like God, yeah, you know, no, and it's literally like, how you feel. You're like, man, why am I on this, or why am I using this, or like, but then why do I like, keep staring at this? <laughs> but then it's, but then it's, I don't know if, if you have this experience, but, but then it's like, okay, I just saw a gorgeous photograph of this place that I've never been to before, and my reaction was, meh. Yep. Really? I mean, that's <laughs> fucked up. It is screwed up. It's totally screwed up, right? And, and I think so for me, that's a wake up call. I was like, okay, I can't. Like, I need to spend less time on uh, this platform, at least in this way, because right. uh, I don't want. I don't want well, to feel that way about these places. You shouldn't, right? But you do if you are on that platform. And honestly, I made a few rolls. Like way back when I first started doing photo, like I know that sounds, I don't know, maybe bad, but I refused in the beginning, in the beginning, mind you, because I was just trying to find my way to follow or look at any big photographers, period. I'm No, I like, think that's a good idea. I'm like, no, I don't want ideas from them. I don't want their inspiration because then I feel like I can't create my own, you know, my own, my own, um, artistic view and on my own aesthetic so i actually for like up to like really a year ago i didn't follow or look at any big photographers really just because i wasn't comfortable enough with my own aesthetic or you know like i'm trying to develop my own thing (laughs) and now that i'm comfortable i don't care i'll do whatever i'll look at anyone's work you know (laughs) because i have my own ground i feel confident with it uh i like what i do it's mine (laughs) and i'm proud of it but beforehand i just wasn't that proud of it yeah i mean there's a there's actually a photographer named cole thompson which i think uh, we haven't recorded yet but i think he's going to be on the podcast right after you which is kind of cool kind of good timing but uh, he practices a, a concept that he calls photo celibacy, <laughs> which basically is he doesn't look at any other photographer's photographs ever. I don't um, like because, him. Yeah, because he doesn't he doesn't want uh, he doesn't want to be influenced by other people's work um, in terms of either stifling creativity or putting putting an idea in his brain. And I think that's a really cool idea. That's and that's kind of what I did, you know. Uh, same kind of concept. I just and it, I just try to stay away from landscape photographers. Period. And there's nothing against them, you know. Like if a friend showed me a piece of work from someone, I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing. You know, of course I'm not, I'm gonna acknowledge it, but right. out of my own personal growth and selfishness, I guess I needed to find my own way. Sure. And yeah. that was the only way I found that i could kind of pave my own way um you know of course i always look for different inspirations um outside of photography you know like Mm -hmm. i love painters i i mean like georgia o'keefe is a huge inspiration for me so use her as inspiration or like tim burden 
Hayao Miyazaki um, and his films and compositions and his simple scenery is just amazing. So I try to get that inspiration elsewhere rather than some landscape photographer. So that's something that I personally struggle with. So how, how do you look at other uh, art forms and artists from different art forms and draw inspiration? Like, is there a, is there a process to that or is it just a, Oh, I watched a Quentin Tarantino film and I have a really cool <laughs> idea. You know what I mean? Like, how does that work for you? No, <laughs> for me, I like, I have to be emotionally touched by it. I don't know if that makes any sense. So like, I'm a weirdo and I probably seen the movie Edward Scissorhands like way over a hundred times <laughs> I, and, or like a uh, spirited way from Hayao Miyazaki. And what I do is like, I generally study their color, their composition and their way of putting emotion into a scene without saying much. And Hayao Miyazaki is like the absolute king of doing that. He makes you feel at awe by just looking at a simple scene. And I'm like, what is he doing? You know, <laughs> how is he doing that and making people feel like, wow, this is so peaceful or this is so happy or this is kind of scary. I'm a little you know, nervous. So I rewatch the films over and over and over and I just watch them through and through. And I look at all the environment like one time I'll like look at like the faces right of the characters in those movies and then i'm like okay now let's look at the environment like there's something about the environment that's invoking emotion as well what are they doing to that environment is it the color is it the way they have things laid out is it the composition of the character like i don't know but i'm going to figure it out and so like for you know hey miyazaki he's amazing at that concept of simple scenery but large emotion and so i wanted to use that inspiration for my work which is pretty simple stuff like some of my images are really 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 simple and like some of them were taken outside of my house or you know that are some <laughs> of my favorites um like the recent one i did about my grandparents with the moon and like the clouds and the sense of the clouds and i was just like and the birds i was like that was just right outside my house and it's simple it didn't need, you know, it didn't need much, but that's like my Hayao Miyazaki coming out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thank you, Sensei Miyazaki. <laughs> um, and the same with like, you know, Georgia O'Keeffe. People, she proved to me that you can have amazing, beautiful work in the daylight. And so like, I love day shooting and photographers generally kind of stray away from it. Because like it's too harsh, it's too harsh, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like this light is still light, and it's still beautiful. You just need to know how to utilize it correctly, right. and make it shine, and not shine as harsh, <laughs> right? What is what is? No, I think a lot of people, probably people listening, struggle with that. So like, what is your? How do you do that? Because I mean, I have things that I've developed over time to do that. Because you know, I. I evolved my photography while climbing mountains in the daylight. And usually I was battling the idea that I needed to be up and down before sunset one, sunrise. Well, no, before like one o'clock in the afternoon. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I'm, cl I'm climbing between like, go you, eight, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm climbing between like Beast 8 a.m. And, and noon. So it's like, so it's like a lot of times you're getting some light that's not necessarily what people consider to be 
quote unquote good. Right. So, so what, what are the things that you do in order to make good photographs uh, during quote unquote harsh light? So like during harsh light, I never point the camera towards the sun. Like you can, if you want, but I, for me personally, this is just me. I, I find the light is too harsh. So you point in the opposite direction of the sun. Or if the sun is above you, then the light's actually kind of really pretty. Some of my most favorite shots and like really kick-ass stuff that I'm super proud of is my daytime shots. And it was when the sun was like fully out. This is like 1 p.m. <laughs> and again, it's just about the way you angle and also your lens. Like I use telephoto lens. And so mm-hmm. you kind of get that natural haze, you know? And right. I utilize that haze in order to create a softer looking bright light. But it's bright as hell, you know? <laughs> like you're looking at it and you're just like, woo, <laughs> spicy. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> you use the telephoto and you're just like, oh, good. It's not as harsh. Thank God, because I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think um, I clouds, think clouds. Yeah, yeah. Utilize the partly cloudy skies. Oh my god, it's like my favorite time to shoot. Right, or like finding those moments. I mean, film photographers already know this, but you know, finding those moments of light right when the sun just goes behind the cloud, or right before it comes out oh, yeah. of the cloud. It's so you know, nice. it's so beautiful. Yeah. But it's still considered harsh you know it is considered harsh and you know i'll say this it is harder to get a day shot that is like just badass compared to like you know a nice sunset or sunrise or whatever for sure for sure but it's not not doable it is you just have to be kind of there in the moment you know (laughs) waiting waiting patiently like there's times where i've waited like an hour just for stupid clouds to go behind some trees <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh my god, hurry up, weather. I'm bored. Well, yeah, and you know, you know, the people that you're with are like, dude, are you serious? Come on, let's go. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for my daytime stuff, I generally uh, just go solo <laughs> because a lot of my friends that are photographers are called like the Twig and Berries. This is like my group of photo nerd friends that we always go shoot and stuff with and they don't daytime shoot one of them kind of does now because she got the idea like she figured out like oh you can um but a majority of them are just like all right let's go back like let's just go chill at the camp or right can we just let's go drink hot. some beers yeah, and let's go like, back out at like a margarita and chill like we'll scout later <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i'm so sorry but no like or just leave me i don't care <laughs> Right. Let me do me, boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the this is kind of funny, but one of the tricks that I've picked up is uh, I'm I'm getting more and more into shooting um, like straight down onto whatever it is on the ground, like whether it be like a cluster of flowers or a bunch of rocks on the ground or like some water formation, oh, to, whatever. To like shy away from the sky, kind of. No, that- well. Like zero sky, like looking okay. straight down on the ground, you know, okay, like with, like with a like with a wide angle lens. Uh, but yeah. but it's like um, usually I'm finding those scenes, you know, when the sun is still straight up. And what I found you can do if you want to cheat a little bit is you can use like um, 
like your jacket or a blanket or something and like block the sun over over the scene so that you can have a little bit more diffused light no totally that makes sense so it's kind of the same idea as a telephoto lens like you're kind of trying to disperse or diffuse the light yeah Yeah. you're diffusing the light right and that's i mean and i couldn't really do that as much with the wide angle and people wonder like how do i get such like soft images i guess you can say like they're sharp but they're soft like the light's softer and it's right. just because i shoot a telephoto there's not really any secret about it it's just telephoto and it kind of dulls down everything right and i kind of love that like that i love that aesthetic of that you know of that lens yeah no i'm i'm a big fan of telephoto stuff too it's uh you can do some really interesting stuff with a telephoto lens i think one of the one of these days, I just want to do a trip and only take a telephoto lens for Dude, like do it. ten days. You know, don't be a wimp. Do it. In the closet and lose it for two years, like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. Well, cool, Jared. So uh, I'm curious, who do you think we should be interested in for here on the podcast? Uh, I totally think. Tara Workman um, should be an awesome recommendation, or she should be on the show. The way she views her work and abstracts, her abstracts are insane. They blow mine out of the water. <laughs> she has such nice. a great eye for them. Um, so, and apparently she's a podcast listener. Oh, yeah, no, she totally is. Hi, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that told me, she's like, you should try getting on and asking and talking to him. <laughs> she's awesome. And she's actually a really killer photographer. That's cool. Is she also in Portland? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She lives like 10 minutes away from me. <laughs> oh, cool. I, I meant to ask you, where do you live in Portland? I, I live like right off the cusp of Happy or on the cusp of Happy Valley and Portland. So it's like okay. on Johnson Creek Boulevard. I don't, you know, hopefully don't get any stalkers. <laughs> I won't give you more details. <laughs> you, you could just say Happy Valley. That's fair. Happy Valley. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I used to live at uh, 33rd in Belmont. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, I used to live above Zupans. Oh, okay, cool. I know that Which is. doesn't exist anymore, I'm told. But whatever. No, but I know that location where I used to yeah. be. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, um, who, el- who else? Oh, who else? Sorry. Sam Austin, for she does awesome landscapes as well. She has a killer eye and great composition. And for some reason... She is so damn lucky getting like amazing sunsets and sunrises. <laughs> she is awesome. Um, so she's one of those people that you want with you at all yeah, times. Yeah, no, she's such a good luck charm. I freaking <laughs> love her. Like, <laughs> I love and taking road trips with her because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get good conditions anywhere I go. <laughs> and I, I'm the uh, I'm the opposite. So like, if you ever do a trip with me, you'll get like ten days of blue sky. Matt, who? No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, kidding. <laughs> really? <laughs> I joke. Um, oh, and the, the last person I recommend, um, I don't think he's been on here when I looked, when I was researching, but Ross Schramm von Hopp. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry if I butchered your name, Ross, but I really love your work. And... The way he frames his wide angles, like, and edits, by the way, which is yeah, so stellar. He's in uh, Denver, I think, isn't he? No, he's um, he's in Washington. I think, like, oh. Bellingham. No, okay. Sorry if that's wrong, Ross. <laughs> no, I, I know who you're talking about. 
but yeah, totally. He is insane. I he his wide angles I think are some of the best I've seen. Or at least they're my favorite personally. Yeah, Ross Schram. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. S C H R A M. Cool. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, dude, this has been so much fun and uh it goes by fast, right? Yeah, I didn't even realize like, oh crap, we're done. Shit. You're like, dude, I have to go eat dinner now. Yeah. No, I already <laughs> ate beforehand. I was like prepping, okay. <laughs> I, I made my tacos. I'm good. Nice, nice. Well, like I said, man, this has been a lot of fun and um I I had a really good time and I just wanted to thank you for reaching out and making this a reality. Heck yeah, man. It's been a great time. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for listening. And um, I appreciate uh, you being vulnerable and telling us about about your story. Yeah, no awesome. You guys enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. All right. Thanks to Jared for coming onto the podcast this week and for sharing his stories on how he uses photography to deal with depression and other issues in his life. I think that's a fantastic way to use photography and also to create unique imagery. Well, I would like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash fstop and listen. You guys are amazing. It's great to see so many people jump on board with the limited time offer of pledging annually to save 15%. I appreciate you all so much. I also want to thank our newest patrons, including Rob Hirsch, Laura Zarino, Paul Malinowski, Jay Linsenbigler. Thank you for keeping the dream alive. I have already been reinvesting some of your support to make the podcast even better by having all of our episodes transcribed You can find those transcriptions on the blog post for each episode over on my blog at mattpainphotography.com. All right, well, let's chat about who we have coming up. Next up is Mark Mwench. He is one of the most prolific photographers of our era. Check that one out. It's going to be fun. I also have recorded with Eric Bennett and Cole Thompson. Looking forward to releasing those. And coming up, we have interior designer Nikolai Alexander. I also have Rob Hirsch coming up, Michael Remke, and Benjamin Williamson. Looking forward to speaking with those guys. Well, I am relaunching my YouTube channel. I promise. I'm actually staring at my Adobe Premiere as we speak. (laughs) And um, I've been recording a ton of videos in the field relating to my experience as a photographer and a mountain climber. My hope is to show you a little bit about me and my world, my experiences, my successes, my failures, just just to get an idea of me and what I get excited about in the field. And hopefully maybe you can grow as well by learning from all the mistakes I make. Um, I'll be providing some tips on backpacking, hiking, and exercise as it relates to my style of photography. If you wanna get a head start, head on over to YouTube and subscribe. There should be a link in the show notes. Well, do you have an idea on how to collaborate with me here on the podcast? Leave me a DM on Instagram or send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. That's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.